0: Welcome to the Jazz Cavern. My name's Frank Griffith. I've got a monthly program on LCR, playing jazz and related tracks, as well as conversing with guests on Matters Jazz and live music in Liverpool and outlying areas. I'm happy to announce that our guests, we have two today, are the two of the original members of the Quarrymen one of whom is Rod Davis and Colin Hanton Rod plays the guitar and sings and plays every imaginable skiffle type instrument and Colin plays the drums both born and raised in River Liverpool but what I meant to say was Woolton, Woolton Village whereas Many of you that herald from that area and that particular time will know that um, the quarrymen were sort of led by John Lennon in 1956 and the rest of the lads, two of which we'll be talking to today. And of course, a year or so later, Paul McCartney met John and joined in, as did George Harrison for a bit. And um, well, they'll be talking about all sorts of things. I'll tell you a bit more about that later. Um, As we listen to Stanley Turrentine in the background doing "Hey Jude," you might have gathered that I, while being a Liverpool resident, um, but not originally from Liverpool, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon which is only about 6,000 miles away from Liverpool, but uh, just down the road, really. I'm a saxophonist, clarinetist, and composer arranger and play frequently in Liverpool and the Northwest. I'm also an educator and direct the Penny Lane Jazz Workshop, which is a group that meets weekly at the Elm Hall Methodist Church in Leafy Mosley Hill. Elm Hall Drive, L18-1LF. We play, I should say we meet on Thursdays at 7 to 9 p.m. And the admission for any aspiring jazzers is a very mere 10 pounds. If you want to find out more, log on to our Facebook page, which is Penny Lane Jazz Band. And you can hear more, you can learn more about it. Just also to say that uh, this show airs on Tuesdays at 2 a.m. and 3 p.m., which is now, Thursdays at 8 a.m. and Friday at 2 a.m. and 4 p.m. So whether you're a diurnal or nocturnal person, you can uh, catch it several times a week. So that's all pretty sweet. And when we go back, um, come back, we'll be telling you a bit more about gigs, upcoming gigs. And um, we're going to be playing a lot of Beatles tracks today. Beatles tracks played by other bands besides the Beatles. Um, And we'll be playing a little bit of the Quarrymen as well. So um, I think you'll enjoy talking to those little chaps in about an hour or so. And we're going to start with a um, Count Basie number uh, from a Count Basie album, LP, believe it or not, entitled Count Basie Plays the Beatles. And it's quite a nifty little track. You know, we like to play these kinds of things for you. And um, I'm just going to check the track number. It's a... um, Number called um, Norwegian Wood, one of their big hits, of course, written by Paul and John. And I think we're just going to try to find it for you and play it for you. Just give me a second here. Let's go over here. Uh... That was the Beatles song Here, There and Everywhere and that was actually arranged by Bob Florence for the Count Basie big band in the late 60s 1969 as we let the album continue to hum away in the background while I say brilliant things to you now the song before that of course was something Written by George Harrison. And the first one we played, as I said, was Norwegian Wood. So that's pretty slick. We have some more Beatles coming up. Actually, it won't be so much the Beatles, but Paul McCartney's music. Um, some of Paul McCartney's songs are recorded by another artist who I'll tell you about in a second. But I just wanted to mention that there's some exciting gigs coming up here in Liverpool over the next month or so, and I'll mention them now and uh, give you what hopefully is sufficient information to actually show up to the, uh, to the gigs. Um, but before I do that, I just want to tell you, I was um, attendant at the annual Wigan Jazz Festival on um, Friday, it just happened over this past weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Wigan at a really nice club just outside of Wigan, actually, called the um, Village on the Green in a little suburb of uh, Wigan called Aspel. And I heard the Simon Spillett big band uh, playing the music of Tubby Hayes, the great jazz um, saxophonist and composer, arranger and flautist and every thing you can imagine. Uh, who sadly died in 1973 at the age of 37, but his music lives on. And Simon, who's a very fine saxophonist himself, um, was playing and and leading the band. And it was an extraordinary concert. And I actually reviewed the concert. And it will be published on a website that you're welcome to check out. It's um, simply called www.londonjazznews.com. Londonjazznews.com, and just click on the uh, reviews icon, and you'll see my review of the um, wonderful concert I heard on Saturday, on Friday, I should say. Um, So that's that was pretty cool. And uh, doing another gig um, myself on the fifteenth of this month, which is Friday, and it's with a group, a very young group, very talented. Um, sort of small group called the Tune Steppers, and I'm kind of guesting with them that night. It's at a place called the Liverpool Gin Distillery, and which is 52 Castle Street, L27LQ, and it's free admission. And uh, the gig is from seven to nine, so it'd be great to see you there if you're um, if you're around. Um, and uh, I'm also playing on. The 24th of this month at my annual sort of residency at the Sefton Park Cricket Club. And that's with a couple of um, visiting musicians, former Liverpudlians who now reside in Spain. But as it happens, they do visit Liverpool more and more, which is great news. That's Johnny Dale and his wife, Simone. Johnny's a drummer and his wife is um, Simone, who sings... And in addition to myself, we'll be hearing um, Tom Sykes, a, fr- a former guest on the Jazz Cavern. He was on, I think, in March. And um, the uh, bass player, Tom Sykes, is on, on piano, and the bass player is Alan Jeffs. So that should be a good night. Uh, the Sefton Park Cricket Club is um, obviously Sefton Park L17-1A-P. And you can ring 0151-733-5678 for more information about that particular gig. Uh, The admission is £10, which is just a drop in the bucket. A very, very good place to hear the music. So we encourage you to come along. And um, I just want to mention um, that the workshop, which I did mention earlier, of course, um, plays once a month or two um, at various venues in Liverpool. And our next one is on the 8th of August, which is about a month away from now. But um, it's at a pub. I'm sure you've, those of you that live in South Liverpool um, will know of. It's called The Handyman. And it used to be The Handyman hardware store. And for whatever reason, several years ago, the store packed up and in became a a brew pub. They actually have a brewery there as well. And they have great ales. And that's on the 8th of August at 8 p.m. And uh, it's a mere nominal fee of three quid to get in. It's a workshop band. It's not a super-duper pro band, but they... Work up quite ahead of steam, and it's it's all fun for all the family. so we're going to go back to the Beatles now. This is actually, uh, as I said, not quite the Beatles. This is um, uh, a, a guitar player singer who I actually recorded a couple of CDs with in the 1990s, believe it or not, all that time ago. and um, this is a Paul McCartney tune called "My Love." which I think some of you will know. It's one of his most popular sort of non-Beatles tunes. And as I said, it's John Pizzarelli, recorded in about 2015. So here we go.
1: Words bear, I'll still find something there with my love. It's understood, it's everywhere with. Goodbye. Heart of the country where the holy people grow Heart of the country, smell the grass in the meadow If it rains me by, I tell myself that I was waiting for a sign, then she appeared, a love so fine, my valentine. I will love her for life And I will never let a day go by Without remembering the reasons why She makes me certain that I can fly And so I do Care. I know that someday soon the sun is gonna shine and she'll be there. This love of
0: Um, wonderful um, work of John Pizzarelli and uh, we'll sort of let it hum lightly in the background as I tell you a little bit about the album it's from uh, John's album titled Midnight McCartney and as I said earlier it's songs of McCartney that were recorded after the Beatles um, folded up and um, John um, is American guitarist from New York and uh, his father, the late Bucky Pizzarelli, well known to jazz fans of a, another era, but only passed away a couple of years ago at the age of 92, um, Bucky Pizzarelli. And John um, clearly carries on in his father's footsteps as a guitarist and of course a fine singer as well. And um, the um, group uh, that you heard on the last track, um, which was called, uh, the title of which was My, Val- My Valentine, not My Funny Valentine. It was uh, included John on vocals and guitar. Pianist Hector Alves. Uh, his brother Martin pits early on the bass. And drummer was Judaka Fonseca and the saxophonist was Harry Allen and the background vocals you heard there were his wife Jillette, Jessica Malaski and his daughter Madeline Pizzarelli and John did some background vocals as well so it's quite a family affair there I would I would have thought but uh, definitely done uh, in a sort of uh, softer side of McCartney and um, The song you heard before that was entitled Heart of the Country, another McCartney song, and kind of a medium swinger, more jazzy, I suppose. And then the one that we heard at the um, beginning of that set was My Love, McCartney's song, actually co-written by Paul and Linda McCartney. And uh, quite a large group, um, including his dad, uh, Bucky Pitts, really on guitar. It was recorded in 2015. Um, Now... I was quite a fan of um, the uh, band Wings, which, of course, McCartney started relatively quickly after the Beatles broke up. And um, I was just of the age, sort of um, a, a young teen, 10 or 11, t- sort of t- 12, 13, whatever, and it, music was played on the radio a lot. And so I, I, I remember enjoying it a lot, but I became a pretty much... Uh, headlong jazzer by that point, by the time I started playing saxophone, in, uh, when I was about 14, that I didn't really bother too much with uh, anything else but jazz. Uh, but now I'm finding that I'm quite keen to get know more to know more about Wings because uh, they had a good, good run, a band on the run, as a matter of fact. Um, and um, I'm going to have to get onto uh, eBay or whatever source of... Um, uh, wings CDs might be um available to uh to find out where I can get some of their kind of um collections. Um I'm going to just mention now um another venue that has jazz here in Liverpool and um it's uh run by a company, a jazz organization called Par Jazz which is um WorldWideWeb.parjazz.co.uk. And if you go onto their website, you'll see a listing of upcoming gigs. And the venue they, they have jazz at on a regular basis is called Ma Boyles. If you listen to previous jazz caverns, you'll know that uh, we mention them every month. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had the owner, Ian Hoskins, on the show a few months ago talking about um, Ma Boyles and a couple of other clubs he runs. Uh, anyway, Hoyles is at Seven Tower Gardens, The strand, uh, L3, 1LG, and the number there, if you want to find out more, is 0151-236-0070, and um, they will be having um, groups every Saturday, and this week it'll be a saxophonist from Manchester called Matt Nixon, and that's Saturday at 830 each week. And following that, a very popular group uh, that'll be on the 23rd of this month uh, called Baiana. And they're um, a Brazilian style group made up of a very good collection of um, pretty much Liverpudlians. Uh, Tilo Birnbaum on drums, Mickey, uh, our, our pal Mickey uh, Dunn on guitar. Um, uh, and uh, the singer's called Laura Doyle, and she's just some wonderful musicians. Um, I think you really like them. And the following week, we have uh, a trumpet player on the 30th of the 7th called Neil Yates, who's actually based in Llandudno, Wales, but he um, he plays a lot in Liverpool, I'm happy to say. And most recently, I uh, had the pleasure of uh, him joining my band for a concert we did at the Liverpool Philharmonic, which was on the a couple of weeks ago on the 25th of uh, June. And we played an all Ellington program, and that included Neil on trumpet. It was actually a nine-piece band um, with six horns, and we also had a singer called Louise Gibbs. Uh, we did all stray horn and Ellington songs, and it was a real success. Uh, we hope to be back there. At some stage, Uh, and I just wanted to mention a couple of other venues that have jazz here in Liverpool on a weekly basis, one of which is called Keith's, and that's a sort of bar restaurant uh, on Lark Lane, 107 Lark Lane, L178UR. Every Wednesday, it's free admission, Um, Keith's on uh, Lark Lane. Uh, they have the Tony um, Tony Pierce Trio. Tony's a wonderful trumpet player. Um, so you might want to go down and check that out on Wednesday. Also on Wednesdays, there's a big band that holds forth in Bebington. It's called the British Legion Club, Teachy Lane, CH638Q3. And that's the Freddie Smith Big Band that plays every Wednesday also at 8 p.m. And there's a small donation um, encouraged if you'd go along and hear a great, great big band. And uh, just mention a couple others before we take another music break. Uh, There's the first Wednesday of the month, which I believe is next Wednesday, I think. Uh, Excuse me, it would have been last Wednesday. Sorry, I got my weeks mixed up. And that's on... uh, It's called The Pen Factory. It's on 13 Hope Street, Liverpool, L1. And that is... um, david Fischel and his um troops wonderful band also has tony Pierce on trumpet um they have um john padfield on alto sax and um soprano sax and clarinet they have um wonderful andy mckenzie is a trombonist um, tim pike is a bass player and um um roy collier on drums and uh that's a, that's a good set. That's a good night out. Um, they often have a um, first set around 8 o'clock, and I think they have sort of sitting in um, people joining in on the second set. So that's always a bit of fun. Um, and uh, just one more, the uh, Le Petite Café. There's actually two Le Petit Cafés. There's just one on Duke Street in L1. Um, people that are familiar with that area of town will know how have seen it on the corner. but there's a new branch opened on Allerton Road, the Petit Cafe 137, Allerton Road, L182DD. and they have jazz there every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. free admission. And um, well that's a that's a really good uh, little sampling of what we got for jazz here in Liverpool. And we're going to move now away from the Beatles and we're going to hear a piece by a great um, band in the uh, sort of 90s here in the the UK. And um, it was called the Morrissey Mullen Band. And this is a piece, if you like, much of its time, sort of 90s funky fusion. And uh, Morrissey was uh, Dick Morrissey, a saxophonist, who's sadly no longer with us um but his co-leader is guitarist Jim um, uh Jim Mullen who's originally from uh from Scotland but he's been in London for at least 50 years or something and what a great uh, tune this is this is called slipstream we <laughs> Yes, that was Saxtivity, my sax quartet. And the first, the last thing you heard was called Saxtivation, and the one before that was called The Sampler. And then before that, we heard the great um, uh, group called the Mor- um, Morrissey Mullen Band. And I'm happy to announce that we have two very special guests, one of whom is sitting across the room from me, Colin Hanton, the drummer with The Quarrymen. Uh, Born and bred in Wilton, is that correct? I know Bootle, actually. Bootle, okay. And on the phone, all the way from uh, lovely, leafy Uxbridge, London, is Rod Davis. Hello, Rod.
2: Hi, guys. I'm here.
0: Great to have you. And I wanted to introduce you guys by saying you played a great gig on Saturday at the uh, St. Peter's Church in Wilton
3: wasn't bad, was
0: it? Can you um, tell us anything about how you felt about that gig? <laughs> well, I
3: was quite pleased with
0: it. Yeah, I thought it was oh. it went really well. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did the, main, I not? The,
3: main, the main thing is that other people enjoy it. That, that's Russell. I can hear him now. Thing.
0: Yeah, Rod, what did you, how, how did you feel about the gig?
2: Well, well, basically, we always seem to enjoy playing. And as Colin says, if other people enjoy it as well, uh, that's that's double it. I mean, who was it then? Um, Uh, Ronnie Ronnie Scott used to say If you've enjoyed it half as much as we have Then we've enjoyed it twice as much as you have That's that's Ronnie Scott That's what it comes down to really It was a great gig, wonderful sound We borrowed borrowed the the PA and gear from the Shakers The other band that were on Uh, As far as we were concerned, the sound was great And a lovely feeling, a wonderful audience You know, just great
0: And a lot of... um Bottles of things on tables and, and a nice spread of food. I mean, you couldn't ask for more. The weather was nice, a bit warm, perhaps, but uh, well, um, yeah.
2: The people of St. Peter's did a great job organizing Donna and her helpers, and, and the verger, our old friend Graham Paisley, came out of retirement to help. So, I mean, what more could you ask for? It was brilliant.
0: I also thought that it um, did a wonderful set, which I think may have been just over an hour, and that included some, uh, maybe a couple of Beatles songs. Maybe did you sneak uh, one? In?
2: Well, we did one after nine oh nine. We did in my life. Mhm, mhm. Uh, so uh, I think that's probably as near as we get to the Beatles.
0: Yeah,
3: I don't know who who wrote Matchbox. I don't know. Oh, that that's, um Chuck Berry, Chuck I think Berry, Matchbox. Matchbox
0: yeah. Right, I thought that that wasn't like a precursor to the um, Doors' "Light My Fire," was it? Sorry, 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 Rod, sorry, Rod. You do Uh, need a matchbox or
2: a cigarette lighter, it does
0: help. Yeah, but I thought um, I heard some, did you say you did a Chuck Berry number as well?
2: I I think matchbox is a Chuck Berry. Oh, sorry,
0: okay, yeah, sorry. I I was just saying that because um, you talked in in your little talks between songs about some of the influences and the different people that you were inspired by, and one of whom we're going to hear... Well we're going to hear the famous um track that you sent kindly sent me of uh, Rock Island Line of course that was Lonnie Donegan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Go ahead. What are you going to say?
2: No, I was just looking up to make sure it was Chuck Berry.
0: Oh okay. Yeah, Fine. On set
2: list. <laughs> it's there somewhere.
0: But just just to finish up on the um the event itself uh it was extraordinary um how it came together with um, fine equipment and production team. And Colin, did you did you bring your original drums?
3: I did, actually, <laughs> but because there was a slight misunderstanding, the shakers had already set up on the, the small stage oh, there. Oh, right, yeah. So all I could do is, I used my own snare drum, but I just brought the bass drum out. Yeah. Put it down in the front so people could take photographs of yeah. the bass drum with the Quarryman sign on it, you know.
0: Yeah, and Rod, did you bring your original guitar? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I haven't gotten my original guitar. No. I was no. originally a banjo player, so I didn't bring
0: it. <laughs> Were you ever no, known to play banjo in the Quarrymen?
2: A big one? Yes, you did. Play you played banjo in the Quarrymen that, as well? Yeah. 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 I didn't. I, I never played guitar at those days. Oh, I oh, right. Banjo okay. only. I didn't didn't get a guitar until after I left the quarrymen. So. Mm. Right.
0: Uh, wow. So is so that they, to say that skiffle music often in in um, used banjo as equal to guitar?
2: Well, Lonnie Donigan played. Who was our hero? Yeah. At the time, played banjo and guitar. Well, in fact, to be strict, he only ever played guitar just to be playing guitar chords on the banjo. But as far as I was concerned, he played a banjo or, or a guitar, and so I ended up with a banjo. And then, <laughs> uh, they were okay. I mean, you could play just about anything in a skiffle group. There were ukuleles, um, oh, you know, all kinds of things being played shoes. in skiffle groups <laughs> in those days. It didn't matter as long as it had strings on it, really.
0: Yeah, and what about the drum kits, Colin, in those days? Were they pretty much just sort of like small... Rock kits,
2: or well, they were very
3: small kits, but they were yeah. very, very rare. You know, right. that's how I became a quarryman. I think I was the only person in the world they knew who had a drum kit. So, yeah, as I was friends with Eric Griffiths, and as, soon yeah. as Eric Griffiths' head, I bought a drum kit. Yeah, you know, he yeah. came up to my house to see them, listen to them, and invite me to go down to his house to yeah. join the quarryman. That was it. I mean, yeah, I didn't as, know as anybody else had a drum kit, so. Yeah. That
0: was it. I mean, it's a, I, I read Hunter Davis' book, which is called *Coryman*, uh, mm-hmm. and, of course, it's um, it was published um, 21 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Does that sound about right, Rod? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's 2002, I think.
0: Yeah, and you, you were, um, of course, um, back on the road by then, uh, although I was mm-hmm. surprised to learn that you didn't um, regroup until maybe 1999 or something.
3: 97, I think. 97, the, yeah, it was which is remarkable. 40th, the 40th anniversary, and <laughs> we were invited by Gene Cattle, who was mm-hmm. the Beatles fan club. You know, we were invited to get back together for a one-off charity concert to raise some money for St Peter's Church Hall, but it had you know dry rot in the in the roof. Oh or something, right, so. yeah. I mean, I was horrified when he first contacted me. I said, "You know, I hadn't played drums for forty years. And really? No, particularly wow. good, forty years ago. So, no, I couldn't do it." But I mean, I lived in Liverpool with yeah. Len. Yeah. Although I hadn't met him for many years. Really. Eric yeah. Griffiths was up in Edinburgh. Yeah. You know, Rod was down in London. Yep. Not quite sure where Pete Chapman was in the world, but wasn't it Hailing Island or somewhere could have like been that? On the Hailing Island. So we were pretty well scattered. So yeah, the thought of getting together to do a concert, I just. But Anyway, the phone started going, so sure. I think Pete Shotton said, Look, if we let's all meet up in Liverpool somewhere and, and just see what happens, you know. So Eric Griffiths went out and bought a guitar, who didn't even have one at that time, right? Right, know. Rod came up from London with a T-chest bass, a guitar, and a washboard. Yeah, you know, Pete Shotton came up and whatever, Hayley and I, with nothing, <laughs> and he played <laughs> the him t bass for some gigs, some of the songs, and the yeah. washboard for others. Um, uh, Len, got his, Len was playing uh, guitar by now, not TTS bass anymore, I just had my small drunk kit, and just met in Len's house with a few beers, and he <laughs> said, right, what do we used to do? We said, well, you know, Rock Island Line, Railroad built, stuff like yeah, that, Lost yeah. John, and that was it. We just started playing, and uh, I don't know, we were just all 18-year-old lads again. It was <laughs> quite incredible, so he shot and said, well, if we can do that on the night, and people understand what it's all about, you know, We'll be fine. So, yeah, you know, the night came after 40 years, and that was it. And that and was uh,
0: at uh, St. Peter's Church.
3: St. Peter's Church. Yeah. Also, we did the whole thing over again. You know, we got on the back of a wagon. We went around the village, which was quite exciting. Yeah. The paper was there. Lots of people there. The Liverpool Echo said, uh, quarry mania strikes Walton. It was Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> quite <laughs> incredible.
0: That's one of their better headlines. Yeah. You know.
3: And then, of course, we played on the field in the afternoon and the grand dance in the evening. But when we came off the field in the afternoon, people were asking for autographs, which was yeah. a shock, you know. And then people were saying, have you got a CD? And I said, like, have we just heard that? Yeah. just heard that, Rob? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Uh, but that was it. We unveiled a plaque on the Sunday. There was a service in the church. And I think Eric went home early and the rest was <laughs> just shook hands and disappeared and then... Amazing never to meet again but then suddenly the phone started going Yeah, people were saying there's a, a Beatles convention in Derby would you do that? So thought, Derby's not too far away No, no Pretty soon uh, we got the call from uh, Cuba Yeah to Cuba so As you do As you do Yeah, so we all thought okay, we we'll go to Cuba Chronicle. Rod had already started a book he'd asked Oh, right. us, He'd asked us all to do our own stories So I was self-employed I was working away in my little shop over in Frodham, with a tape recorder. And as I was working, I was just, you know, talking to the tape recorder. Sure, so yeah. Eventually, I sent it to Rod, So, Rod was talking, and he could hear my staple gun going, like, bang, bang. you too, <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: And um, basically, we more or less started doing all our own stories. Yeah. But then when we were in Cuba, Hunter Davis was there doing a yeah. uh, a, a travel book. And he was invited to the, you know, the, the convention, and he said like he, th- he thought the Quarrymen were going to be, like a local band or a, a you know, uh, a tribute band or something. He said, and like these old guys. You can't, can't be
0: t- paying tribute to yourselves, yeah.
3: <laughs> these old guys came up on stage, so we met with Dan, and he said about a book, and I think Rod gave him all our stuff, and he very quickly got it out as as that book, and. Uh, yeah. I got a few shillings for it, and uh, oh yeah, that
0: was fine. As a subject of a book, presumably. <laughs> yeah, Rod, um, you were. Um, it was when I met you actually, at Brunel University in uh, in Uxbridge. Uh, how, how did you find uh, that experience? You know, being away for you know periods of time and stuff.
2: Well, it was it was great. Oh, just before I do that, before yeah. the phone start ringing, Matchbox was written by Carl Perkins, not by Chuck Berry.
0: So, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, beg your pardon about that. Well, Co- uh, Carl Perkins it was, was, it was a contemporary. I'd, yeah. I'd always been playing some kind of music ever since I left the Quarrymen. I, I was, was uh, very interested in folk music. I was in a folk music society university uh, and somebody played me a bluegrass record, so I started playing bluegrass. And yeah. been uh, uh, then in Liverpool between 64 and 68, I was playing fiddle in a in a very very bad Cayley band and I'd been in a... Um, a Tex-Mex band, all kinds <laughs> of things. So um, for me, um, I'd always been playing. It wasn't quite like the same as the others, most of whom hadn't played much for years. Yeah. But um, just to get back together again, it was something which I'd often wondered about. I, I was invited to the States in 1995 with John Duflo, because he'd made this CD called Open for Engagements. And I've been to a Beatle convention in Los Angeles and one in Chicago with John. And people seemed really interested in this. So I thought there's got to be a bit of mileage in this. So I got on the phone to Colin Hampton and said, look, Colin, we might get a free trip to the States. out Yeah, there
0: it is. Uh, You
2: know, how about it? So that that was a a little added incentive to uh, getting together in 1997. And it seemed seemed to work. And it was a lot of fun. That's the most important thing, fun.
0: Yeah, because you obviously obviously um, – just reading the book and what you've told me yourself, Rod, uh, the gigs weren't like hugely um, financially rewarding when you look at the costs of traveling to America perhaps and the um, booking yourself, you know, standard – costs of travel you know lodging
2: oh yeah well we we always we always travel coach we always travel in the cheapest seats we we carry our own gear (laughs) Um, i mean we don't you know if anybody wanted to book us into a stadium we'd probably say okay but uh, i'm afraid our our uh, well we nearly played shea stadium we were to play shea stadium and and the gig was cancelled at about three days notice which was a real big disappointment
0: yeah, well, yeah, was disappointing that. Yeah. So um, this
2: gig at yeah.
3: Shea Stadium, I should say, it was before a baseball game or, or after the be- baseball. No, before the baseball before, game. Yeah. And he said we could have a, a, you know, a stall on the main concourse going in, yeah. like, and I think Batman or somebody had been there weeks before and sold, like, tons and tons of stuff. So we were oh, really looking forward to standing, you know, selling a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. And as for the traveling, I mean, mostly it's uh, expenses. They, they, they booked the flights, they yeah. book the hotel. Yeah, no,
0: I, I, I should yeah. have assumed that. But I'm just thinking of, you know, if um, some of you were, well, all of you presumably were working at the time, so you, you weren't earning your normal yeah. crust.
3: So, yeah, yeah I, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't so bad. I was self employed. So, okay, okay if the, the guys phoned me up. Well, yeah. first of all, my two daughters had left home. That's yeah, a, that was a big. So you thing. didn't have to sort of be. I Didn't have there. to. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was pretty much free. Joan was quite happy with what was going on. So, sure. I mean, if the lad, if I got the phone call to say, you know, we're going for the long weekend somewhere, I would just, I just shut up shop and. I, yeah. Go. I mean, okay. I did lose a bit of income, but it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't.
0: It wasn't horrendous. crucial. What about you, Rob? Did you have any? Uh, well, I, I was, um, as you know, you and
2: I were we'll working a. Bucksbridge College, so yeah. um, with the uh, connivance of uh, one of my fellow lecturers we managed to <laughs>
4: uh,
2: wangle it so I could get the appropriate time off it, if indeed the gigs were in term time, and of course Pete Shotton was, was a self-employed multi-millionaire Eric Griffiths was self-employed in charge of a, um, a chain of dry cleaners, so you know, we, yeah, we were yeah. able to wangle it anyway. you had choices,
0: you had we more had, room had
2: because he was he was uh, teaching, uh, helping special needs kids with sports. So for him, it was a bit more difficult. But it, it worked out, you know.
4: And, yeah. Uh, we,
2: we got a, quite a few places, um, you know. With uh, I mean, we, we went to Japan. We went to the States a number of times, Cuba. Yeah. Um, quite a lot in Europe. And yeah, by, by doing mostly mostly long weekends.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so that's not like going away
3: for months well, or Russia something. Russia was a bit different, wasn't it? You tended to stand a week in russia didn't we when we got to russia
2: uh yeah uh, that was the last time we went yeah we Mm -hmm. were we were quite a long time there but uh, i think by then we'd all retired i think colin
3: oh yeah yeah
2: maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong yeah Yeah, no, it it all fitted in nicely and it it it, um it meant we didn't get too big-headed about it you know (laughs) we weren't yeah, we <laughs> would just go occasionally and then drop back into boring normal life again. When we came back.
0: Well, just reading some of those passages um, from Hunter's book about so many of your rather, you know, long nights, long days, and long nights without sleep, and you know, uh, lodging in some of the more remote states of the America, and just—I mean—that sounded like there were some, you know, close calls, you know. Like you, you weren't twenty-five, and like you could withstand anything, kind of thing. How did you, how did you cope with those uh, moments?
3: No, I don't think we really had many. I think the worst place we ever stayed in was uh, Hamburg. Yeah, and they put us in this shoddy little hotel. Yeah, yeah, you know, that was the grimest place. But mostly okay. the states. Good, I mean, good. hotels in the states, and that you don't yeah. mess about, do they? No, no, it's the good fact, oh, we did professionalism.
2: You've you forgot, you've forgotten uh, the Watergate hotel, Colin.
3: Yeah, that was a lot of fun, though, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> Washington D.C., you mean? <laughs> sure yeah, no, it was. It
2: was. It was, it was like um, it, there were sort of cabins. Um, oh. it, it wasn't the Watergate Hotel. It, <laughs> no. it was a Watergate campground or something like that. Something like that, yeah. And there was there was a, 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 a restaurant just down the road called the Rocking Horse Hotel, mm. and <laughs> uh, we we had a great time in there, um, teasing the waitresses and singing and stuff, mm. um, yeah, we we got a lot of very good memories. Mm. Um, as far
0: as you, you mentioned, a lot about, or you know, not a lot, but you mentioned being in these faraway places, um, and even Europe, you know, which is you know relatively close, but in America, and I don't remember reading a lot of in the book about the gigs you actually you did in the UK. Um, do you think there was more uh, of a reception for you in, in non UK places? More, more demand for you, so to speak? Well,
3: there certainly is this day, I think. Okay. There's more, more people from abroad. I mean, the gig on Saturday night, there were people there from America. Yeah. They'd only flown in for the weekend, and they were going yeah. back out on this Sunday. What a great... Just to see the quarryman.
0: Yeah, know. well, and that, I'm Crazy. sure they were very happy. Crazy. Uh, Rod, what's your take on that in terms of... Uh, you're always more popular outside of your own home ground, as it were.
2: I, I think so. I mean, um, uh, to start with, I think people... And uh, quite relieved to find that we're all quite pleased to find that most of us are still alive. <laughs> um, we, we go down very well in Germany. Germany's uh-huh. a good market for us, and Spain, funnily enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
2: Uh, uh, they were quite happy to see us in Japan um, and Russia. But you know, by, by and large, see the problem with the UK is that we all live in different parts of the country, so it's not just a matter of you know, jumping in the back of a rusty old Ford Transit and and, and driving 50 miles down the road. We have to all come together, and, and that in itself just involves expense for people and, you know, overnight accommodation and things like this.
0: Yeah.
2: And we can't all sleep in Colin's back room at the same time. The dog doesn't like it, you know. Well, no,
0: and <clears throat> even uh, other people that you know in Wavertree, you never know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but but the only thing is, um, I, I ask is because uh, it has such a... Uh, um, identification with Liverpool. I mean, I I um, didn't know much about Lonnie Donegan until I knew about the Quarrymen. All <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> because I, you know, had only moved. You know, I, I'm sorry to say, Lonnie, Lonnie Donegan is not a huge name in the states. No, the Quarrymen no. are much better known in the states, and uh, obviously the Beatles and the Stones and all those, you know, British glam rock bands of yeah. the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lonnie Donegan is like a kind of a unique to UK phenomenon. Yeah. You yeah. know,
2: well, he, he did appear on the Ed Sullivan show. Oh, did he?
0: Yeah, that was on that BBC show, wasn't it? Yeah. Hmm.
2: Yeah, and, and but, except they wouldn't let him play his guitar. He had to. Be, he was backed by people like Hank Garland and so on. <laughs> oh, that was probably because and he, of was the, on a, uh, he was on a, a tour in and roll show with, yeah. with about 10 acts on it but he, he, he sort of only got two numbers or something like that and after, after a couple of weeks of, of they used to do five shows a day and after a few weeks of this he got fed up and it, I think his wife had just had a new baby so he said, right, blow from game of soldiers I'm going back to England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, fair it
0: is yeah mm-hmm. He
2: had quite an effect. Rock on the line had quite an effect. And it was recorded by Johnny Cash. Yeah, uh, hello.
0: Johnny
2: Johnny Cash seemed to be under the impression that he recorded it before Donegan, but that's actually not true. You know, Donegan, us us Brits were re-exporting American stuff back to America, and it didn't go terribly down terribly well.
0: (laughs) Well, very much so. That's a good example. Um, Was it Lead Belly that wrote and did it originally?
2: Well, it was written... Rock Island Line was written by an engine wiper called, um, I think, Clarence Wilson, who worked for the Rock Island Line. Yeah, and it was it was a sort of a commercial jingle, really. Sure. Um, which which then uh, got um, sort of transformed into a work song. Were by a number of people who, who knew the song that ended up in jail. <laughs> and Led Belly recorded these guys singing singing it like, um, you know, can you imagine the song? And um, been um, to, to the tune of a of a, of a sledgeham, you know, on a rock island line. There's a mighty good road. Yeah, see,
4: see
2: what I'm getting at. And then, and then of course when Donigan, uh, sorry, uh, Lead Belly recorded it with the with the Almanac Singers, and then Lonnie Donigan got a hold of it and sped it all up. So yeah, I'll say it was quite convoluted, really.
0: Well, I mean, just the more reason to make an entire. BBC Four show about it, which incidentally played uh, featured your good selves uh, in one of several interviews within the hour long show, uh, and it was remarkable. I mean, you guys just cleared everything up for a lot of people because uh, well, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people didn't know about that song before they saw that show. Well, you know, Billy Bright did a wonderful job on he that. He, uh, it. He it, did.
2: It's to him that we have to, uh, um, you know, bow. In, in
0: gratitude I, I'm gratitude. surprised I, I still can't get my head around the fact that he was a punk rocker <laughs> well, <laughs> but you know they all were uh, I suppose if they were coming of age that time you know I think I'd prefer his music much more to uh, Johnny Rotten or Joe Strummer um, but on the topic of Rock Island Line uh, we have a track so why don't we take a quick break here and listen to the Min Rob do you want to tell us a little bit about this track we're going to play
2: well, um, this was the track that, that uh, start, really started the skiffle, skiffle craze in, in Britain. It, it came out on a, on a 78, in, I think it was December or November 55, and by January 56, it was climbing up the, um, it, it was a hit parade in those days, it wasn't a chart, and okay. it inspired hundreds, probably th- hundreds of thousands of youngsters in Britain, all over Britain, Han Island to start their own skiffle group and then a few years later when rock and roll came along the same three chords that people had learned for skiffle were uh, for rock and roll so Donegan and Rock Island Line really um, that was that was what, there wouldn't have been a rock and roll scene in Britain or it would have been very different had it not been for Donegan yeah. and Rock Island Line so it's it mightn't be an inspiring song now but it sure was then
0: Well I'm sure it could make a a very strong comeback, especially if the quarrymen were to uh, perform it a lot. <laughs> uh, let me just uh, see if I can get it to play here.
3: Uh. Well, the quarrymen, we did, Rod and I did re-record Rock Island Line. This here's
5: a story about the Rock Island The, um, the Rock Island, Rock Island, Island Lime. Lime Preservation Society. In just outside of New Orleans. In all the trains that go through the tall gate while they, they got to pay the man some money. But of course, if you've got certain things on board, you're okay, you don't have to pay a man nothing. And just now, we see a train, she coming down the line, and when she come up near the toll gate, the driver, he shout down to the man, he say, I got pigs, I got horses, I got cows, I got sheep, I got all livestock, I got all livestock, I got old livestock. And the man say, well, you all right, boy, just get on through, you don't have to pay me nothing. And the train go through. And when you go through the toll gate, the train got up a little bit of steam and a little bit of speed. And when the driver think he's safely on the other side, he shout back down the line to the man. He said, I fooled you, I fooled you. I got the pig iron, I got the pig iron, I got old pig iron. Now tell you where I'm going, boy. Down the Rock Island line, she's a mighty good road. The Rock Island line is a road to ride, yes. The Rock Island line is a mighty good road. And if you want to ride, you got somebody like you find to get your ticket. At the station on the Rock Island Line I may be right, I may be wrong You know you're gonna miss me when I'm gone Down the Rock Island Line She's a mighty good road The Rock Island Line Is a road to ride There's a Rock Island Line It's a mighty good road And if you want to a ride, you got somebody Like the find, you, like, you got your dicky At the station on the Rock Island Line Hallelujah, I'm safe from sin The good Lord's coming for to see me again hey. Down the Rock Island Line She's a mighty good road The Rock Island Line Thank you
0: um, That was
2: Lonnie Donovan. Laugh and then hit you on the nose, or hit you on the nose and then laugh. But it's a great name for a group, Natural Wastage. um, uh, When people say, you know, why are you guys, why weren't you in the Beatles? So we say, well, we got rid of all them good looking guys, you know, they were too (laughs) good looking for us.
0: Well, Ron, um, while you're talking about, um, we just heard, obviously. very brief track of Rock Island Line which was normal then and Lonnie Donegan as they were saying on the BBC Four show about Rock Island wasn't considered a particularly good looking guy you know like a um, although he seemed a reasonably presentable guy he was young wasn't he? Yeah he
3: looked fine Yeah.
0: yeah I mean it wasn't maybe Elvis but thank God because I prefer his singing to Elvis anyway but um why, uh, Rod, was that just standard fare in those days, the tracks were like less than three minutes, you know, just really short it, uh, tracks?
2: It, it's a great advantage, really, because if someone puts on a really horrible record, you can console yourself with the fact that in three minutes it's going to be over, whereas, um, you know, w- when LPs came in, people could be self-indulgent for ten minutes or more. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. It, and it happens, doesn't it,
3: yeah, but I think the radio shows, all the radio stations, they sort of they wanted three minutes, really? you know, get it on and get it off. They didn't want.
2: Uh, well, Colin, Colin's being serious now.
3: Oh, sorry, Rod. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, <go> on. <laughs> it's 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 a bit early for serious.
3: I'll will slap my face. Well,
0: what what um Rod uh, or Colin uh what uh, I believe there was some recordings done that you've talked about on your gigs that the Quarrymen did, um just after, uh, about a year after you formed or something. Maybe
3: 1950, like, 58 1958. Yeah, okay, in fact, today, 12th of July, 1958. Perfect, wow, wow, <laughs> 20 uh, 44 years ago. That was Well, John Paul George, myself, uh, with John Duff Lowe on piano, we went to yeah. Percy Phillips Studios and uh, wow, cut a disc, as they say.
0: <laughs> um, and did uh, that was after uh, Rod had fled south. Is that... Is the, the, south, the natural
2: yeah. wastage that had happened by that yeah. time, see? They well got rid of good-looking guys like me and Pete Shotton.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Pete Shotton, uh, he, he had this incredible, uh whatever you call it, um, Presence? Uh, mullet of oh, blonde mullet, hair.
3: Blonde hair, which he God, hated. God, he
0: was just distinctive. He looking. hated
3: that mullet.
0: <laughs> yeah, did he, really? Because it called attention to himself? I
3: don't know what it was, but he hated it.
0: Okay,
2: I think he was almost an albino, Pete. I think that's what he was when he was a baby. He his the nickname in the family was Snowball, so he obviously
0: oh. um,
2: he did have a reddish complexion, um, and very white hair, and uh, yeah, I think he was you know on the way to being an albino.
0: Yeah, but in terms of the recording itself, um, Colin, what um, I suppose the obvious question is: what became of it? Or what's happening
3: well, with it now? Well, we all we all shared it for a while. You know, I had it for a while, uh, and I lent it to a friend of mine, Charlie Roberts, because mm-hmm. he worked in Littlewood's printing factory, and they had a, a PA back then. So yeah. you'd take a record in, and someone upstairs would play it for you. So he had it for a while, played it yeah. on the PA. But uh, I don't. Well, he didn't give it back to me. I think he just put it, you know, in a box the way you do in your house. And, uh, and when he discovered it, sometime later. I think he just came across Duff, and he gave it back to Duff. Yeah. Duff put it. What he said is put it in his sock drawer for 20 years or something. And, oh uh, man! He thought it's just It might, might raise some attention to this record, so I think he did a, a newspaper interview. Okay. It might have been Posh, but it might have been the Times. I can't. The Times, Rod. Do you know.
2: I actually don't remember
3: No, But then it was, a, it was a, a newspaper that went out on the Sunday and he put this little piece in about this record and sure uh, Paul McCartney phoned his mum on the Monday <laughs> and said I want to sp- I want Duff's phone number. I need to speak to Duff and yeah, yeah. He got in touch with Duff and said you can't sell that record to do anything with it you know it belongs to us so uh. negotiations started and Paul McCartney ended up with the record and ended up with a few pound in the bank as
0: well. Oh God! Well, that's <laughs> a less attractive side of, um, you know, the. Uh, uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, Pete Best, who's somewhat affili- affiliated with the upcoming gig you have next month, mm-hmm. well, his parents used to own the Casbah. Yeah, um, well, I think you still do, don't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. His, his parents. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh well, his say, yeah, family. Yeah, the yeah. family own it. Let's say yeah. the family own it. Yeah.
0: Uh, not to be rude or anything, but I would have thought Pete is maybe in his early
3: mid eighties now. Well he must be about my age, so yeah, eighties.
0: Yeah, no, I just asked because uh, I think he might have been a bit older than the other lads. But, um, but uh, in terms of the, uh, you know, the recording and documenting of the group, uh, can people find out, um, Rod? You know where you can look up recordings by the Quarrymen. is there like YouTube a
2: YouTube or Google it's just it's all
3: no. there okay
2: they can, they can always look on the www.originalquarrymen.co.uk website. I'll put that on and my there, page so as well that, that's where we put our stuff and we've got a great archive of all kinds of things we've done okay thank uh, you oh man so that's that's the place I would direct people to now there are various other websites with, with quarry men stuff on it but um it's very difficult to weed out the truth from the legend or what we believe to be the truth anyway
0: well I ask because the Coryman uh, fan club is on Facebook um, but that's more recent things I don't think it goes into a lot of uh, archives maybe I got that oh. wrong um, but that's good to know um, uh, and uh, while, we, while we've got it on our mind because I don't want to forget to mention this uh, the band will be playing on the 27th of August in Liverpool at the Casbah. Is that C-A-S-B-A-H? Does that sound right? great. Okay, and we'll put the uh, address on my... Uh, just for the, those of you out there that look at Facebook, you can find the Jazz Cavern on Facebook, which is my page, or I should say the show's page, and there's also a Facebook page for Liverpool Community Radio. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, um, unless there's another Liverpool somewhere in the world... Uh the it's in the only- America. Oh, is there? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I, this is news to me.
3: There's a Manchester in America. Oh, yeah, in, in New Hampshire.
0: <laughs> yeah. But oh, yeah, that's well known. Yeah,
3: there's a Liverpool
0: somewhere. Oh, it's a very well-known yeah. town in, Ma- Ma- uh, in Manchester. Yeah, of course.
3: We're getting back to Percy Phillips Studios. There's a park yeah. outside. Okay. And they've got the wrong date on it. They've got the 14th of July, not the 12th of July. Which
0: is an anniversary of today, yeah. Mm. Uh, but in terms of... Um, uh, we'll we'll put that waris war, war uh, website Rob uh, Rod I mean yeah mm-hmm. coryman.com. Uh, and this gig is uh, is it an evening Do you remember if it's an evening?
2: It's an evening gig, but I think you'll find all the tickets have been sold years ago because it was originally scheduled for August twenty twenty.
0: Yeah. So, well, maybe uh, uh, maybe a few. Cool. Maybe a few of those buyers are no longer around. I don't know, but very tactfully, Frank. No, I'm sorry. That's a little bit of a macabre British humor no, that's there. That's
3: fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. It's rubbing oh. off on you, Frank.
0: Yeah. <laughs> finally, yeah. after 26 years. But um, really, though, is uh, um, is it like a? I'm sorry, I haven't visited the club. Is it the same one that was going in the old days, or yeah, is it a new it's a a new version?
3: Downstairs. Well, rooms downstairs. Okay. It's very very small. <laughs> very very compact. Yeah. I mean, where the band plays, well, you know, it's probably the size of this room. And oh! You stand, well, Rod, fortunately I'm at the back, but Rod's and, and Land there sort of almost nose to nose with the audience. Yeah. And that's, probably, not,
2: that's not an exaggeration, yeah, literally. Probably less when than a foot. The, the last time, the nearest member of the audience to me, was six inches away. Oh,
0: man. Oh, yeah. man! oh, man! <laughs> oh, no <laughs> wonder it's sold out. We but, uh, Rod, can we talk a little bit about those wonderful musicians that. Um, Joined you well, both of you. Um, that wonderful bass player, um, Chaz
3: Oh, Chas. Uh, yeah. Newby. Yeah. Yeah. What a
0: lovely guy. I mean, he is God. And he worked a, a real job for a long time, didn't he? <laughs> well,
2: he, he was a schoolmate of Pete Best's. They both oh. went to a school called the Collegiate. Okay. They, they had a group called the Blackjacks, and um, <laughs> Good name. When, when the Beatles went to Hamburg for the first time. They, when they returned to Liverpool, they left Stu Sutcliffe, who was the bass player, yeah. in Hamburg with his girlfriend Astrid. So they arrived back in Liverpool and they had four gigs, but no bass player because McCartney had not started playing the bass by then. So uh, they, so what are we going to do for a bass? So Pete, Pete Beth says, M- I've got a mate who will play it. Now Chaz, apparently, had never played the bass in his life before. <laughs> he was a guitarist. And somebody gave him a, a right-handed bass, so he played a right-handed bass upside down, and he oh. never played a bass before anyway, so he oh, told us the other night, I hadn't realized that, whew. so then um, they played for four gigs, he played for the four gigs in December 1960, including the famous one at Litherland Town Hall, where, yeah. you know, of course, these guys turned up in their black leathers, and uh, they were advertised as being straight from Germany, and people saying, you speak good English for a load of Germans. And uh, anyway, they stopped dancing and all crowded around the stage just to watch and listen to the band. And that was when they made this huge impact. And then they said to Chaz, Well, you know, why don't you come and play bass for us in, in Hamburg? And Chaz said, Oh, I've got this, this uh, special student scholarship with Pilkington Glassworks. They pay me while I'm a student, they pay me while I'm on holiday, they're going to pay for my master's degree and, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, I, I don't think he actually said, why should I go and live in a toilet with you guys in Hamburg? But that was the gist
0: of it, really. That's a <laughs> great story. And he just seemed so alert. And he was right on the money. He sang a bit, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I think oh, pretty he, much he, everyone okay. in the band sings, don't they? I don't. <laughs> I see you singing there. Oh,
3: yeah, but nobody can hear me. You're mouthing
0: <laughs> the words. And that's uh, just to not forget um, Chris uh, yeah. from Helsinki, of all places.
2: Yeah, we, we, we had a a booking at the Hankasellamy Skiffle Festival as re, be, through the kind offices of Chasmick-Pevitt. And the Hankasellamy is about four hours drive through through woods mm. from Helsinki. And when we arrive at an airport, if, if somebody somebody has booked us, you know, usually there's a, a you know, a small reception committee. know, they might know what we look like, but we don't know what they look like. So they usually wear some, you know, Beatles t-shirts or something like this. So when we arrived at Helsinki Airport, um, there were this group of lads with Beatles T-shirts on. So John Duflo went over to them and said, are you our reception committee? So the, they said, what, what do you mean, reception committee? <laughs> we're, we're just meet some mates. And we, well, We're the quarrymen. We we're supposed to, wait, you're the quarrymen and so that's how the connection with chris started and then he organized a super gig for us in helsinki a couple of years later
0: Oh so right.
2: he's moved to liverpool of course and he he plays guitar brilliantly and bass
0: yeah i'm not surprised and, and sings he in too
2: helsinki, he, he'd organized the gig and at the time we hadn't met jazz so we didn't have a permanent bass player so yeah. Chris sat in and played bass very competently and he's a great guy so since len has has moved on to tambourine uh, we felt we needed a bit more yeah. um, assistance in the guitar department. And, and so he's basically our George Harrison, you know, the young kid who plays lead guitar. Well, yeah. I well, mean, we he's a addict, wonderful
3: player. We, we lost Eric, so we, we, we tended to miss Eric, didn't we? Yeah, Definitely.
0: you would too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the way your guitars line up f- mm-hmm. from the beginning, uh, I mean, we haven't gotten round to um, discussing... Um, john lennon's guitar style right um although paul says in a lot of interviews that he taught you know G- he taught john the g7 chord you know after mm-hmm. the three chords that john knew he, he taught him the g7 and that was like a big breakthrough because paul was you know into mm-hmm. those kind of harmonies even at age 15 yeah. or something you know yeah. did either of you um know paul's father
3: Yes, uh, well, I did. Yeah, might have done. Yeah. 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 Well, we used to practise in Paul's house. He's
0: quite a talented musician, wasn't he?
3: Yeah. Oh well, I, he didn't. He never played anywhere. Oh, town, okay. But I certainly met him and he used to make us cups of tea if we were rehearsing. He'd pop his head in. And, um,
0: I just understand that he was a reasonably good musician who didn't mm-hmm. play I think professionally.
3: a dance band Yeah. Years yeah. earlier.
0: That must have been quite a mm. influence. Um, did either of you have uh, musical families or musical parents?
3: I certainly didn't.
0: No, no.
2: no. Uh, my, well, my mom and dad both played the violin not terribly well. Yeah. Um, I had an uncle who played extremely well, and he also doubled on the musical saw. Yeah, yeah. And his brother-in-law, uh, he and his brother-in-law, played in a dance band in Denby in North Wales. And when the skipper craze started, uh, we discovered that this brother-in-law who, was, who played banjo and guitar in the band was selling his instruments. And by the time I got round to it, the guitar had already gone. Ah. They were in more demand than the banjo. So I ended up with the banjo. So,
0: yeah.
2: Um, and, but we always we always had, had music in our house. My, I mean, my, my brother, um, younger brother, Over the years, he could could play fiddle, mandolin, guitar, banjo, melodeon, concertina, saw, probably a couple of other things as well, harmonica. I I can do everything except for the saw.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: My sister plays the fiddle and the banjo and clock dances.
0: Yeah, yeah. um, We have quite an extended musical thing going on there. Uh, I was just going to say, regarding the chap that played musical saw, could he hack it? <laughs> I mean, well, was it some sort of thing he, he could sink his teeth into? I mean, or did he really cut it? I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just asking. He cuts uh, his
2: fingers often <laughs> enough. Used to do, used to do uh, a lot on the folk scene, and one of his, one of his uh, acts was to appear with a musical saw and bandages all over his hands, covered in red ink.
0: Oh, perfect! Uh, speaking of those instruments, uh, Rod, you very kindly um, came into my uh, music. Jazz, not jazz, but popular music history class at Brunel and um, told great stories about uh, Ken Collier, who, who uh, had to get deported from uh, New Orleans mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to achieve fame as a musician back in the UK. But more importantly, uh, you brought the teach chess bass. You brought um, a washboard, did you? Yeah. With the thimbles, yeah, the, the hands thimbles. Hands. Is that the proper way to play it? Washboard and thimbles, yeah. yeah. And, and and what 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 happens if you show up to the uh, gig and you forgot your thimbles?
2: Well, suddenly it, it <laughs> happened once in Penny Lane. Um, we showed up at the gig at, at St. Barnabas, you know, Barney's, just the, the place. Penny Lane, was, that's uh, where I Penny live. Lane, the big place on Penny Lane that we had a drink in that time, you and I. Yeah. And uh, Pete shot and forgotten his thimbles. And my grandma, <laughs> I think <laughs> I told you, lived, lived in Oakdale Road.
0: Yeah, nearby.
2: Along there. So I said, well, well, we'll we'll try knocking on my grandma's door and see if we can borrow anything else from her. And so we all trooped up, knocked on the door. It must have been dark at the time. And uh, my grandma lived with my aunt, and my aunt saw all these big threatening figures through the glass around the front door, and I had to shout, it's me, Auntie Vi, it's me, Auntie Vi. So she opened the door, and uh, I said, look, I explained the situation. Can we borrow some thimbles? <laughs> so as you do, yeah. Because you could have used a coin or something like that, but it's not as good as a as pot of thimbles, you
0: know. Well, I think that's a great story. And those are so typical of, uh, you know, we haven't even mentioned um, uh, Scott Chadwick. I think it's Scott Chadwick.
2: Dave Chadwick? What, the driver of the truck? You mean? The
0: dad of my pal. I've got a friend whose his son called. Um, uh, Craig, anyway, we know him and his wife quite well. All right. And um, they're obviously uh, from Bolton. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've actually moved to the rather leafy environs of Frodsham now. All right. <laughs> That's where the other half live, right, Rod? are all the water <laughs> there, yeah. And anyway, uh, his dad's still around? Scott? Uh, no, Dave, sorry. Okay. Um I but don't know. Yeah, no, he is. I know that he is. Um he we lost his mother, though.
3: Ago. We've seen him a few years ago, Dan. It was a Birmingham Rod. Uh, yeah. Uh,
2: we, we were um, we were doing a, a gig at the classic car show, that was and a, they had yeah. produced a, a vintage lorry for us to stand on and play. And uh, <laughs> Dave Chadwick uh, turned up at the at the car show and was yeah. admiring the lorry. We got photographs of him. Mm. So, so did he you guys? Was very like that hairy guy that was sitting on our table on Saturday night. <laughs>
0: Oh gosh, yeah, Dave. He's also called Dave, yeah. He he, he, he um yeah, he was a, he was a fan. He was a big fan. And so it was uh, it's lovely to see Len there and he's got that extraordinary engaging smile, doesn't he, Len? Has he always had that look, that kind of almost like uh, character actor look, kind of unusual.
3: I wouldn't say that. I think it, I know I, th- I felt on Saturday night his face was a bit fatter, a bit fuller. Okay uh whether it's medication or not i don't know yeah uh,
0: but he's so lovely he's just mm-hmm. smiling did you did, rod did you uh, clock his elvis shirt he was wearing
2: uh i, I was actually shown the fact that he was wearing an elvis shirt yes i mean that's that's what got len and in, len into it that's, that's what he English.
0: told me as well he says i love elvis yes yeah
2: yeah right yeah. and he uh was ho- hoping to sing sing a few elvis songs with a Quarrymen, but it's very difficult when you're when you're playing a T chest bass when he moved to the guitar we got together in 1997 then of course his his, he he loves the eldest stuff you know Mm -hmm. he doesn't like the skiffle really
0: well the thing i was wondering about and this is just a kind of a nerdy musician question is how does that thing actually make a note because it's just a piece of rope isn't it it's twine
3: well it's a a ring it's yeah it's a piece of rope piece of string but you know, it resonates in the, the hollow box.
0: Oh, there. is that how it does? Sorry, I, I'm just. Boom, boom,
2: boom, 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 yeah. Uh, I, well, you're a read man, Frank. You wouldn't. You wouldn't I don't have, have a, a clue. Things. I
0: can barely talk about guitars and mandolins, <laughs> but I like the fact the, your earlier point, Rod, um, which is about um, our, our friend Chris from Helsinki, who's got this most unusual spelling of Chris. I don't know if you've noticed. It's like C H R I. S-S-E or something. Oh,
2: yeah. have, okay. oh is it Chrissy? Okay, Finland, sorry. Frank? What, sorry? Have you ever been to Finland? No, no. I wish I could. No, well, all you have to do is, is look at the road signs in Finland and C-H-R-I-S-S-E is quite a normal spelling by comparison with okay. the road signs in Finland. Fair the only advantage in Finland is they also have them written in, in Swedish because there's quite a lot of Swedish. Oh, I words. didn't
0: know that. Yeah.
2: Otherwise, otherwise, Finland it, it's it's like it's like going to
0: Japan you cannot understand any of the road signs of course yeah I suppose but,
2: uh, so Chris, Chris I think it's just a, you know maybe that's the way they spell it in Finland yeah
0: you well the reason
2: Chris that's the important
0: thing no the the point is it's it's a name you can pronounce <laughs> <laughs> Not oh, yes. like a lot of Finnish names, yes, you know. Yeah. I even struggle with Sibelius sometimes, you know. Right. Um no, I just say that because um tablets with that kind. Yeah, yeah. I I <laughs> I think I've got enough of uh, tablets al- already. Um but uh no, the um <laughs> the sound rod of the guitar with the electric guitar, yeah? yeah. Um and obviously most bands have at least two guitar players, don't they? Sometimes three.
2: Well, a rhythm uh, and a lead, ideally, is what you need.
0: Yeah, for this kind of stuff you do, but I'm thinking you know generally like uh, you get people who play uh, you know higher ukes and and, ukule- um, and uh, mandolins, and there's just there's hundreds, literally hundreds of string instruments, aren't there? you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that combining them is just great because it makes the listener can hear the different instruments. Mm-hmm. they can distinguish between the different string instruments. Did you guys ever get stuck into an incredible string band? Or uh, the other one was called Fairport Convention. Did, did you know much about no, we them? We knew of
3: them, but I mean, we went. Yeah. Were just a quarry man at the time. And
0: no, I just asked because yeah. they, they yeah. had a, a really there good a slight, stringy sound.
2: More my end of the musical spectrum. I mean, I, I, I've, I've met Dave Swarbrick, the fiddle player from Fairport Convention. In, in fact, um, he was playing in a previous group called. The ian campbell folk group um and when i was a student at cambridge we had the Ian campbell folk group as guests at our folk song society but we couldn't ever afford to put the guests up in hotels so we had to get them to sleep in our rooms in college and <laughs> yeah loud guests in college so you have to actually um make them climb over the wall and over the spikes to get in and one of wow. my friends was wow. making dave swarbrick into he, he was going to be sleeping in his room and they went up this narrow alley behind our college and pointed to a drain pipe and said right up you go <laughs> and so david swarbrick had to climb up the drain pipe and then, so that—that's the nearest I get to Sir Paul
0: Convention. Well, that's a little bit risky. I think, uh, as much as I liked those groups, I'm not sure I'd be up to climate <laughs> types. Uh, chaps, we have to kind of wind down. But I just want to mention one other thing, um, and it's through our friend Roger Roger Appleton, who was here as a guest as well. Oh by the way David Bedford sends his best. Good. D- Good. David's Good. local to us, isn't he? He's just down the road from yeah. us. And um he's, he sends his best to both you uh gentlemen. Um but uh, Roger has just put something new up on his website which is Bright Moon Media, one word, Bright as in bright, mm-hmm. bright star. Brightmoonmedia.co.uk. I'll put this on my on my page. And he's got some YouTube uh of some uh, early uh, activities with um, John, John Lennon, and some of the—I'm uh, yeah, not right. exactly sure—but mm-hmm. if you just mm-hmm. go onto the website mm-hmm. and then go onto um, the the particular uh, YouTube-related YouTube channels, yeah. I think if you just go onto YouTube and put Bright Moon Media. Sorry, it sounds so confusing, okay. yeah. but I oh YouTube is such a mire of confusion to me sometimes. <laughs> um, but we'll put your website up again as okay. well. Uh, and uh, and and just to remind everyone that you're on 27th of August.
3: I yeah. have to mention my book, which is. Oh, uh, uh, f- out of uh, print just at the moment. Fabricant. Prefab. Oh, sorry, sorry. What the hell's that one? That sounds like yeah. Prefab
0: <laughs> fabricant. Uh, Colin uh, is going to tell you about his new book.
3: Well, it's it, it's a reprint of the the book that came out in. 2018, uh, we've just tidied it up a little bit, I'll uh, altered some of the photographs. And because the Americans have made it into a film, oh, they've wanted right. to redo the cover. So the okay. cover is different. But I would like everybody to know it's a, it's the same book that they're going to buy, the same book prefab. I don't want them to buy it and think I've read this. Uh, but that's at the printers now. We've got a new Thank printer. You. Hopefully, we'll have that book pretty soon and we can sort of. Rod does is kind enough to sell them on the quarryman website. So,
0: well, I'll mention it on all of the yeah. uh, local stuff we have uh, on the Facebook. Thank you. I'm sorry not to okay. have brought that Rod, up before.
3: Rod has sent that book off uh, the other day to uh, our friends in Australia.
2: Well done, Colin. Yeah.
0: I mean, what an extraordinary um, backlog and, and stuff that you have. Uh, I've been a guest at Rob, Rod's house in Nuxbridge. And in addition to making me a lovely uh, Italian lunch, mm-hmm. didn't you remember that, Rod, all them years ago? Um, he, um, he showed me loads of pictures and uh, just incredible mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, reserve and uh, uh, archives of, of yeah. not only the 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 pictures, which of course are great, but I mean the music too, the actual music. Mm-hmm. So, and this book you mentioned, prefab. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can put it onto Google, and it'll come up pretty quickly. Yes, that's what I found when I when I researched it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Japs, I think I'm gonna get get moved off. Uh, I think we have to wrap this up, but I'm just gonna. Um, uh, sneak up. Uh, just play one track, but just for us to say goodbye. Okay. Um, let's just see why this is not playing. Yeah. Chaps, Rod, Colin, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: That's fine, Frank. Thanks for asking it, us. Great. The hour just great. flew Thanks, by. Frank. Thanks very much.
0: We'll do it again because we haven't even
3: scratched the surface. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, Rod and I can both talk, you know.
3: Oh, I know Rod can talk, yes. Yeah.
2: Come on, Colin Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, has, Colin hasn't got an off switch.
0: I like Rod. Rod's entries into the Corian book, and every sentence has an exclamation point after it. And even the author, Colin, Hunter okay. Davis, mm. kind of takes the Michael a <laughs> <laughs> he, he, hate, he
2: hates exclamation marks sometimes.
0: Yeah, is he a little bit um, formal in his book-style writing? Uh,
2: uh, well, let's face it, he, he's, he's been a writer for The Times, for goodness sake, hasn't he? So, I mean, uh, what you, can't, what you can, can't tell him about, you can't tell him anything about how to write good newspaper articles and books. I mean, you know, he's he's a great guy. Anyway, chaps, i We played for him several times.
0: I'm sorry, uh, Rod, my darling, um, but I've, we've got to love them and leave them. But thanks again, chaps, and we'll see you in August. Okay.
2: Okay, cheers.
3: Cheers, Frank. Cheers. Bye.